is DCFM Newswire. everyone and welcome back to Newswire. I'm your host, Kira O'Loughlin. On today's show, are third level fees too high? Emily Sheehan speaks to USI Vice President Craig McHugh about higher education funding. Are students lacking in literacy levels? Sabrine Donahue speaks to Associate Professor in the School of Biotechnology, Craig Foley, about literacy levels amongst third level students. And finally, Orla Dwyer reports from DCU Drama Production Chicago. But first, we have our hourly news bulletin. Live, online and on your mobile, this, this is DCUFM News. The head of the National Centre for Pharmaeconomics said the decision by VHI to offer cancer drugs not available to public patients raises a real issue of equity within the Irish healthcare system. The NCPE was responsible for assessing the cost effectiveness of pharmaceutical products before a decision is made by HSE executives to either bring them on stream for public patients or refuse them. US actress Lori Loughlin and her fashion designer husband, Massimo Giannulli, are pleading not guilty in the college admissions bribery scam. Loughlin and Giannulli are accused of paying $500,000 so that their two daughters could gain entrance into the University of Southern California. The couple have not publicly addressed the allegations against them. A judge has ordered the rest, arrest of both the mother and father of a young girl who did not progress into secondary school and has missed every day of first year. The parents were due to appear at Dublin District Court today, accused of neglecting their child's education. The prosecution against the West Dublin couple has been brought by Tusla, the Child and Family Agency. The UK is at risk of being flooded with a rising tide of unsafe toys, cars and white goods after Brexit, consumer advocates which has warned. If there is no agreement made with the EU, the UK will be left vulnerable to crucial delays in receiving information on unsafe products. That's all the news for now. Remember, you can keep up to date with us on Facebook and Twitter at DCUMPS News. While you're discussing home and away on Facebook. While you're chatting to your granny on Facebook. While you're creeping on your best mate's girlfriend on Facebook. Why not order a delicious pizza through the Domino's DCU Facebook page and get access to all the best deals and offers for DCU students? Facebook.com forward slash Domino's DCU. Hey, I can be the answer. I'm ready to be DCUFM Newswire. Imagine, no warm clothes for winter, no heat in your house, always hungry and tired, your nights filled with the sound of fighting. Adam is seven. This is his life. Without Bernardo's, what hope has Adam got? We're working with Adam to change his future, but we can't do it without you. This is Fergus Finlay from Bernardo's, asking you to change a child's future now. Go to bernardo's.ie or call 1850-216-216. That's 1850-216-216. Want to pass your driving test? Make sure your instructor has passed all of ours. Because the only approved driving instructors are those who meet the standards of the Road Safety Authority. Only then can they legally charge for lessons. And only then are they permitted to pass on the rules of safe driving to you. So, before you book driving lessons with an instructor, ask if they are RSA registered. To check they're on our list, or to find an approved driving instructor, visit rsa.ie. From the Road Safety Authority. Hey, what's up? This is Mark Wahlberg, and you're listening to DCU-FM. I'm still going to finish college and graduate with flying colours. 
I'm still going to be famous. I'm still going to work and get that promotion. An unplanned pregnancy is not the end of the world. Free text LIST to 50444 or visit positiveoptions.ie for a list of free, non-judgmental counselling agencies that will help you to pick up the pieces. Positive Options. Crisis Pregnancy Services. FM Newswire. Get involved in the Leo conversation Radcliffe on Facebook and on Twitter. He opposes the idea of introducing News. student loans or increasing fees for higher education. Radcliffe told the doll that he was very reluctant to see the student contribution raised above €3,000. President of the Union of Students in Ireland, Sheena Cahill, said what they demand now is action. Cahill said, we need a publicly funded education system that is accessible, high quality and fit for purpose. DCU Students' Union Vice President for Education and Placement, Craig McHugh, agreed that the loan scheme system does more harm than good. If you look at in the in the UK, they don't work. Um, the societal benefit is, is nil. Uh, people are very much so adversely affected if they, if, on their credit rating and stuff like that. And it also disadvantages people from working class backgrounds specifically. Because think about it like from, from an, an external point. If you found that, okay, if I go to college, I'm going to have to pay back loads of money. Um, it's it's less likely you're going to do that. Um, so they don't work like that in Australia. They've burdened people with debt as well. And they're looking to move away from it. I'm not even going to mention the United States because I don't think the United States even have a proper loan scheme. They have the commodification of education, which is the end of the line, which is essentially students are um, treated like uh, consumers as opposed to members of society that should be educated. McHugh said the public funding does not have to come overnight. What they want is a plan. Look, what we're asking here isn't a radical overhaul in the space of 12 months. We're looking for um, a plan um, as to how they're going to fund the higher education system in the future and make it more accessible. So if that means a €250 Euro decrease in the student contribution charge, the student levy, then that's a move to publicly funded education. The Irish Universities Association launched the Save Our Spark campaign to highlight the need for publicly funded education. So I suppose this campaign's actually been a kind of a, 
the the pillar of the the student movement since about you know twenty fifteen with the education is um when loan schemes are being put on the table when the Casals report came out and that was immediately what was going to happen and in that time um we've seen a movement where Mary Mitchell O'Connor said last May that loan schemes were off the table we then got that clarified almost twelve months later um after the Fund Future campaign was launched uh, Leo Varadkar said loan schemes aren't happening and he doesn't want to increase the student levy so what USI DCSU student unions across the country are doing as part of that campaign Fund the Future um and we're we're so happy now as well. That the the Irish Universities Authority as well are um, are in somewhat support of that. They have their own campaign, Save Our Spark, um, and it's it's all about you know lobbying the government to publicly fund the system and um, to address those two things, which is access and essentially the funding to keep the colleges uh, viable and open. A lack of public funding causes barriers to access to higher education, says McHugh. You know, austerity and that, you know, put taxes on a lot of people. Um, a lot of people's real incomes are down from where they were 10 years ago and they haven't really recovered. Um, so although Susie Grants are there and still aren't brought back in line to what they were before the recession, uh, there's a lot of people missing out on the opportunity to go to college and those that are going to college are very much so struggling to make ends meet. We also have really high rents. Um, so it's, it's essential we fund the higher education system so that we make it more accessible, but also that we can keep our colleges open. The IUA said the government has set an ambitious target for the Irish education system to be the best in Europe by 2026. Irish universities share this ambition. They said that to deliver on these targets, our universities must overcome challenges created by growing student populations, a rapidly changing society and, above all, a serious underinvestment by the Irish state. The Save Our Spark campaign was launched because of the need to accommodate the 25,000 additional students entering the university system over the next decade. Published in 2016, the Castles report identified the need for an extra 600 million euro a year by 2021 to maintain quality in higher education. Many believe that the report has been neglected by the government. I think it was a can that was kicked down the road. Um, if you look at it, it came out in 2015-2016, that, that period as well, it was a very vol a volatile political time between well, should, it be doing, should we be doing tax cuts, Brexit was on the horizon, no one really knew what was going on. I suppose we're kind of in a similar situation now, but I think they've really copped, well, we have to deal with this. Um, and it really is something I think the government have really tried to ignore. They can't ignore anymore. They can't ignore it now, especially this year. And I think if you look, if specifically over the last six months, where universities in particular used to be very cautious about saying that they were in trouble because obviously the knock-on effects that has is people are like oh the Irish University Association are, are in trouble uh, foreign direct investment is affected it's a, it's a very very drastic thing to say when you have presidents of universities of institutions screaming we need money it catches the government's attention and when students are saying the exact same thing as well they're getting out on the streets the government is going to have to make some kind of a movement so I think we're in a very pivotal time at, at this point you know, the government needs to look at it from a much wider perspective and actually say, right, okay, we have a problem, this is a way of beginning to solve it, as opposed to just filling in little gaps, um, cutting taxes here and there, and maybe introducing, increasing Susie, you know, a little bit. They need to radically change uh, the system. And we did it. We used to have publicly funded education to an extent. That's why it was called free fees. That's why it's still called free fees. They did change the system in the 90s. They then moved away from it in, over the period of austerity. Emily Sheehan, DCU-FM. A study by the OECD found that up to 6% of Irish third-level students are functionally illiterate, while just 19% have a high level of numeracy. 
The second level education system is often criticised for rote learning and memorisation, which is ineffective for understanding material. But other factors affecting students' ability to learn range from learning disabilities, to cyberbullying, to personal relationships with family or friends, to stress and anxiety from the assessment leading up to the leaving cert. The Irish Independent reported that the charity Samaritans Ireland received 2,000 calls last year relating to these concerns. But possible changes to Leaving Cert are not so black and white, argues Greg Foley, Associate Professor at DCU School of Biotechnology. Well, I, I think a lot of the basic problems we have in third level are, are not really the fault of the Leaving Cert. I think it's, it's very easy to scapegoat the Leaving Cert. I mean, if you look at the, the exam questions on, on the Leaving Cert, they're hard. Like, they're, it's not an easy exam. One of the things about third level education is that I mean regardless of, of what the entry exam is we have four years you know to, to make things right um, so it, it's a bit rich of us in, in third level to blame second level and that's it's very like uh, employers blaming us for students not having business skills for example you know ev every levels for example you know ev every level seems to blame the level before um, but I really think that in, in third level if our graduates are substandard in any way, it's our fault, it's not the Leaving Cert. Their, their brains are so overloaded with, with coping with software that they're very unfamiliar with. I mean, the, the idea that um, school leavers these days are somehow digitally, are, are digital natives um, it doesn't hold water. I mean, if, if you, there's no reason why somebody who's 18 or 19 now is inherently better at Excel. They have to learn it. And what I see in students, I think students are probably overloaded cognitively. You know, they're trying to write an articulate report. They're trying to, to grapple with software. And I think very often the fact that they're trying to grapple with a new word processor, a new spreadsheet um, program, they often forget the basics of the English language and that's something I see a lot. I think they're kind of overwhelmed. And I think the, the other issue is that we live in the, the smartphone era and I don't think attention spans are as good as they used to be. First, I, I don't buy the idea that you don't need to be able to think critically to, to get through the Leaving Cert. I mean, if you're getting 450 points or above, you're a good thinker. I, I, it's very hard to memorise material that you don't understand. So I, I think that whole road memorisation and no critical thinking is totally exaggerated. The other thing is if you look at the research on critical thinking, um, the evidence is absolutely clear on this, is that your ability to think critically depends on your knowledge of, of the domain that you're trying to think critically about. I mean, they've done studies with, with air traffic controllers and you would imagine air traffic controllers are really good critical thinkers because they're dealing with airplanes at all sorts of altitudes coming from all sorts of directions and they're trying to sort them and you would think they're really good thinkers but it turns out they're no better when they're outside the, the air traffic controlling environment so I would, I would really worry if the leaving cert turns into something akin to the junior cycle and we have lots of activities that give the impression of students learning to think critically but it's actually students just maybe having a bit of fun making lego robots or whatever and um, so i i think 
one of the trends in modern education is that knowledge has kind of been de-emphasized in, in, in favour of, of skills that people think are generic but they're not. Um, but again, it's, it's our job to teach those skills through practice and study, really. It's not a thing you do explicitly, it's through practice and study. Um, and to be fair to teachers, if you bring in continuous assessment, it's going to hugely increase uh, teachers' workload. And there are very few roles, certainly in the public sector, where you increase the workload enormously. Because even in, in third level, CA is, is one of the biggest sources of my workplace stress, to be honest. So it's a really unfair to expect teachers to adopt these processes and greatly increase their stress levels and their workload. No other profession would be expected to do that. Uh, so, so that's an issue. The other issue is that because the leaving cert year or even fifth year if they go to a two-year system is so high stakes, much more so than say a semester exam is or, or a module is in university. Uh, if you think about say a student who wants to do medicine, every single bit of continuous assessment they're going to do is going to be really high stakes because they can't afford to drop marks. If, if you're allowed to be tested on something and then allowed to just forget about it, the, the evidence is from cognitive science that you, you lose that, that knowledge very quickly. I then asked a DCU student what he thought of the second level education system. It was a memory game. All you had to do was just remember. You remember everything. The Leaving Cert doesn't change. It's just different questions. It's the same questions asked different ways. It's just remembering how to answer them. The teachers have a lot to do with it. Like I had history, I had a history teacher who I loved, and I learned I loved history just because of the teacher. And he would say, uh, he would say, um, like history is really important. We'd be like, no, it's not. And he'd explain why it is. It's too much work for them. That's what they're paid for. What are they paid for otherwise? Now, some may say they already have too much work as it is, but that's kind of a matter of opinion. Mm. I feel like continuous assessment would be better. There's it keep it keep teenagers especially on their toes, which they are just not. They're just expected to pass this one exam and that'll be all good. But if they were kept on their toes and said, right, you have to keep going for the whole year, then that'd make a massive difference. I think they need to increase subjects. I think there should be more practical subjects such as horticulture, which some people might think is just not worth it, but like I don't know how to grow plants. I don't know how to grow anything. Like I don't know how to computer program. There should be computer programming, I think, but then you should be able to choose all these. Like it's not for teachers to say, oh, they should do this, this, and that. They should be allowed to decide what they want to do. I had a learning disability, but like in fairness, my school, even though I didn't like school, they did try their very best with the learning disability, so I thought that was like, they were very good with that. Cyberbullying is a massive, massive thing that my school in particular, they took very seriously, but there's other schools I know that just don't take seriously at all, but it is something that it really has a massive impact. Like there's kids who'd go home and cry themselves to sleep because someone didn't like what they were wearing, like that's just, that's just ticked, like there should be more punishment for people who do bully for example, like taking away the privileges in school, say, suspend them, and if it's very extreme, then expulsion, in my opinion. Sabrine Donahoe, DCU MPS News.
DCU Drama's production of Chicago took to the stage at the St. Patrick's Campus Auditorium from the 8th to the 10th of April. The show opened on Broadway in 1975 and has wowed audiences around the world ever since. DCU Drama pulled out all the choreography and vocal stops but kept the set simple using stools and not a lot else. The cast held impressive vocals and stunning moves throughout the performance and the show ended with a standing ovation from the crowd of around 250 people. The iconic role of Roxy Hart was played by second year communication student Sinead McMullen. She has previously performed as Rizzo in Greece and Princess Anna in Frozen Solid. This is her first time acting with DCU drama. I've been doing kind of drama since I was about six or seven and like this would be my first like college production. I'm in a musical society as well. It was just so, it's so overwhelming like the amount of support that we've gotten but yeah it's so much fun up there like it's just the best thing. I don't want it to end. <laughs> The production was the directorial debut of third-year computer application student Kevin Cleary. Cleary has produced and starred in other DCU drama productions over the years. He was delighted with how the show had been going so far on its second night. Really, really happy. Yeah, no, because I mean, obviously, like after dress run, there's a bit of tension. It's kind of like those first night nerves, but uh, everyone really, really carried it off really, really well last night as well. Fantastic opening night. And yeah, no, I think we just built upon it again and hopefully we'll do so again tomorrow. Tonight was absolutely stellar. I didn't think it could get any better than opening night, but tonight everyone just kind of brought it up a notch, both on the stage. The audience was so much better. It was just, it was fantastic. This is the first show I've ever directed, yes. And would you believe it's the first show that Dane has choreographed, that Emma's musically directed, that the guys have produced. Like, everyone is a first-timer here, which is ridiculous. Chicago is an American musical set in the glitz and glamour of 1920s jazz age Chicago. At this time, the press and public were enthralled by female murderers. Roxy Hart joins this slew after she kills her lover and claims he was an intruder to her husband Amos. Amos takes the blame until he finds out Roxy was cheating and she ends up in Cook County Jail. Here she meets nightclub sensation Velma and other criminals who claim their victims just had it coming. Roxy's husband Amos was played by third-year computer application student James O'Neill. He has performed numerous roles with DCU drama and said his favourite part of Chicago is the song Roxy. It went very well. Uh, I think everyone did a very good job. It went very smoothly. Um, I think the crowd were actually great as well. Um, they really reciprocated a lot to us. My favourite part, ooh, that's a tough one. I'd say Roxy. Roxy is such a great song actually. And I find it gives, it gives like in a very female heavy cast, uh, it gives the guys real chance to shine. Chairperson of DCU Drama, Rian Condon and lighting technician for Chicago said the audience had been amazing so far. The opening night had a few lighting and technical issues, but night two ran a lot smoother. I think it went really, really well. Uh, a lot better than last night. We, we had a few fixes throughout the night here, uh, just before the show started. But honestly, really well. The audience was amazing. We had over 250 people here tonight, so we're hoping to even get more tomorrow night. Uh, there was just a few fixes like that we couldn't uh, couldn't have known until like the night of the show, like just lighting fixes for myself because I'm doing the lighting design along with Sarah Brady. So the second of the audience were absolutely impeccable tonight, and hopefully it'll be even better tomorrow. 
It's clear DCU students are big fans of the hit musical Chicago and all that jazz. Orla Dwyer, Newswire. This evening, on the 9th of April, young people concerned about the onslaught of climate change gathered in Europe House in Dublin. They discussed their thoughts on climate policy and government action. Young people talked about why they feel candidates for the European elections should be pushing climate action. Candidates in the audience at the event included Sinn Féin MEP Lynn Boylan, the Green Party's Grace O'Sullivan, Saoirse McHugh and Kieran Cuff, and Alex White from the Labour Party. I chatted to the lead organiser Megan to find out more about this mobilisation of young voices. Uh, yes, yeah, so my name is Megan Carmody. I work for Friends of the Earth. Um, my role there is head of mobilisation. Um, but for this event, I'm the, the lead organiser and the event moderator. So I've been coordinating um, all of the logistics for the event and the planning and collaborating with Niall from the uh, environmental pillar and Trina from our office, uh, who's working mainly on food sovereignty with, with young people. Um, to bring together a panel of seven exceptional young people that are all working um, very hard on climate change. The event was titled Loud and Clear Youth Views on Climate and was run by Friends of the Earth in conjunction with Environmental Pillar and the European Parliament Office in Ireland. The event uh, is a platform for young people to, to have their say about what they want to see on climate action. Um, very often we see traditional hustings where you have uh, the MEP candidates um, on a panel speaking about what they're going to do and why they should get your votes. But here we flipped it on its head a little bit um, and we're giving young people the platform because they're going to be the ones that are, are going to have to deal with the climate crisis and climate breakdown, which is just getting worse and worse. The Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change warned in 2018 that we only have 12 years to take concrete action to possibly limit the average global temperature to the 1.5 degrees Celsius threshold. Clodagh Daly from Climate Case Ireland outlined her research for Friends of the Earth on the European Investment Bank's funding of Gas Networks Ireland and what the Parliament can do to reshape European energy funding away from fossil fuel infrastructure. Um, so, Clodagh, uh, you were talking a little bit there about the EIB and the EIB's role in gas. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? European Investment Bank between 2013 and 2017 lent 11.8 billion to fossil fuel projects and really the vast majority of this was to natural gas projects so expanding existing infrastructure and even building new infrastructure despite risks and stranded assets. We know that for example if we start constructing new gas infrastructure it won't last us through the next decade. The EU is going to start slamming us with fines for not meeting our emission reduction targets. But beyond that this isn't really just about what is economically or politically attractive. We are in a climate emergency and there is just no more reason for public financing to be sponsoring fossil fuels. And it's very difficult for renewables to compete as long as they remain cheap. Um, so one of the projects that they funded was the TAP project, which was the Southern Gas Pipeline. This was one of the most controversial projects, uh, one of the most controversial fossil fuel infrastructure projects of all time. It stretches all the way from Azerbaijan to Italy. And that was the European Investment Bank's biggest loan ever. 
And this is the biggest public bank in the world. Um, the other two projects are their second biggest portfolio. Um, so we really need to think about why the European Investment Bank isn't aligned with the EU's own climate energy policies. And even in December last year, the European Investment Bank actually granted Gas Networks Ireland a 100 million euro loan. Um, and I just think of all the things that money could have gone to instead. All of the, all of the potential Ireland has to be a leader to develop our renewable energy potential and instead we are expanding natural gas. Other panellists at the event were Conor O'Brien from Young Friends of the Earth, Dr Aideen O'Doherty from Not Here, Not Anywhere, Sasha Bowden from DCU Climate Change Masters Programme, Dervla Brennan from the All-Ireland Student Activist Network and Anya O'Gorman from Fossil Free TCD. I chatted to Beth Doherty, one of the panellists, a 15-year-old at the head of the School Strikes for Climate about her hopes and plans for the future. I'm Beth Doherty from School Strikes for Climate and I'm here really to address the MEPs that are currently running uh, for the European Parliament on May 24th and really just to emphasise how important it is to run on a platform that supports climate action and how important climate change is in this upcoming election really. Uh, really what we're hoping to get from this event is for the MEPs to no longer run on this wishy-washy platform of oh yeah we support climate change but they're not actually doing something like we want to be able to hold them accountable and say listen if you're not going to support concrete plans and actual structural change then we don't want you to run. And we really just want to hammer home the message how climate change needs to be a priority in the European Parliament. European elections are coming up on the 24th of May in Ireland. Ireland's number of MEPs could be 11 or 13 due to the progress of Brexit. This is Roche McGaugh from Europe House. That's all we have time for today. Remember, you can keep up to date with us on Facebook and Twitter at DCUMPS News. This is the last show for this year's current FM News team. So I want to say thanks to everyone who tuned in and to FM managers Cahill and Dylan and best of luck to next year's team.